This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. Now Thursday morning, September 9th, the year of our Lord, 2021. You know why I pause. I want to give it that dramatic effect. Also, I was picking up the iJosh to actually see what the date was. Because I am recording responsibly the night before we released this. Which is the way you've been getting this stuff at like 5 or 6 a.m. for that morning commute. And uh, thank producer Jordan for that because he keeps the hours of a vampire, which is the only way we can get that out. If it were left up to me, uh, this thing would be lunchtime at the earliest. So thankfully, we have people around here who really take the ball and work overnight. And they deserve a lot more credit than they get. So there you go, Jordan. I've given you all the credit in the world. I bet you don't edit that out. But I'm also pausing for that dramatic effect to let you know it's September 9th. And that means we're 48 hours away from Iowa and Iowa State. I'm going to be up there. We've got a question about it to lead off the show because a lot of you think, what is the matter with this dude? He's so disproportionately attached to this game. I am, and I'll explain it, answering a question. If you want to submit a question, by the way, we do this every Tuesday and Thursday morning. This is not Late Kick Live. This is in addition to. This is podcast only. If you're looking on the YouTube channel, you do not find the Q&A sessions. It is wall-to-wall mailbag. You can submit email, joshpate706 at gmail.com. But I'll tell you the better way to get in touch with me because the email inbox is just flat out overflowing. I mean, it is a mess right now in a good way. The better way to get in touch with me is follow me on Twitter or Instagram at LateKickJosh and submit questions that way. You can get feedback. I go back and forth with a lot of you guys. I get, I don't know, somewhere between hundreds and thousands of DMs per day. And I get to as many of them as I can. It's impossible to get to all of them, but that's the better way to really submit a question. And the podcast reviews, five-star reviews. We're we're marching towards 2,000, so continue those coming in. But also, before I dive into the mailbag here, remember there are 15 different reasons that you want to be following those Twitter and Instagram channels, at Late Kick Josh. Access, access, access. We got the Late Night Gambling Chat over on Instagram on Friday night, uh, tentatively named Friday Night Lines. And then also... Hey guys, I'm at the game that you're probably watching on TV every Saturday, and I get to see stuff you don't get to see. Well, that is, unless you're following on social, in which case I show you as much as I possibly can. Sometimes the teams ask me to take it down, and I do. Like I had, I don't know if I can tell, yeah, I can tell you this. I had a video of one of the teams, let's just say, that was in Charlotte, North Carolina Saturday. It was either Georgia or Clemson. I can narrow it down that much and no further. It wasn't the officials. And uh, I got some footage and they knew I had it, and they said, hey, here's $500, delete it. They didn't give me 500 but they just asked kindly, hey, let's, can we not let that get out? Because they knew I had seen something they didn't want out, and that's fair. It's totally fair. So I deleted it, and I looked at them like Dwight Schrute would look when he was handing out bagels all over the office, and then he just said, you owe me one. And then I walked away. But yes, 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 make sure you're following. And uh, you know what, let me get to this question, and then I got a little challenge for you on the other side of this question. So Shane It might as well have been a million of you, but Shane said, be real, Iowa State has to be paying you something for all this free pub you give them. 
You openly said this week on the show, you're from Georgia. You have never been to Iowa. I know good and well nobody from Georgia pulls for Iowa State. So what gives, bro? Shane, let me explain it. I've been doing a lot of radio and some podcasts up in Iowa. I've had to explain this many times this week. Yes, I grew up in Georgia. No, up until this Friday, I have never set foot in the state of Iowa. But when I was growing up, it was drummed into my head that SEC atmospheres were the best atmospheres on the planet. And I'm not saying that's not true. I've been to most of the big ones. I got to get to a game at Arkansas. It kills me that I cannot be at that Texas game this weekend. I really wish I could space the college football calendar out more. But thus far, until you guys elect me commissioner, I don't have really have much say so over that. But I was taught all these atmospheres down here, you know, the world basically is flat. And once you get outside the SEC footprint, it just falls off. And you just fall into the abyss. Well, I naturally wanted to find things that were outside of that world. And so I would watch Penn State and I would watch USC and I would watch a lot of the national games on TV when I was growing up. And there was this one place that I realized I was finding attractive that no one talked about. And it was Iowa State. And they weren't good, but I would watch teams go in there. I'd watch Texas or Oklahoma go in there ranked and favored heavily. And they'd win in most cases. But it would just seem like it was so hard. I would watch it, and it never felt comfortable. It, it sounded really loud, and I wondered, did they just put the mics in different locations? This place is not a 100,000-seat stadium. Why does it seem so raucous? Well, it's just one of those places. And so I've always watched it from afar and thought that. So then part two is Matt Campbell really fell in love with him when he was at Toledo. I listened to him talk, and everything that came out of his mouth I loved. And when those two, here comes the word of the week, when we had the confluence of those two, when he went to Iowa State, and you should take five minutes and read the story about when they played Iowa State, when he was at Toledo, and he realized, I love this place. When he went to Iowa State, I was all in. I dove in. And so I've been on board since then. So that's really why I just wanted to find a place that was outside of the footprint I grew up in to root for. And so I was, I was attracted to Iowa State. Now, since they're on the national radar, everyone thinks I'm bandwagoning it, and I'm not. This show has only been a nationally recognized show for about a year, year and a half, and I get that. So I'm new to a lot of you, but me and Iowa State, we're not new. We've been together. We've been together for quite a while. It's going good. Uh, we're ready to take the next step this weekend. And unlike marriages, this union can happen on a Saturday in the fall because it actually involves a football game, so I can get a pass there. But that's the story with Iowa State. No, they're not paying me anything. Not that I'd turn it down, but they're not paying me anything right now, Shane. But let me just throw something out there. The other night I was fooling around on the show, and I just kind of said, oh, wouldn't it be a shame if Pate State Freights posters or late kick posters popped up on college game day? And knowing you guys, I should have just kept my mouth shut because you took it dead serious. And so I've been getting pictures sent to me of Pate State Freight's posters. Those logos look sweet, by the way. I tweeted the, I actually tweeted the high-resolution photos out today out of demand so that you guys would have them. So we don't have like bootleg logos out there of a university, by the way, that is fictitious in nature. So we got the Pate State Freight logos. And what I am telling you now, dead serious, as opposed to playing around like I was the other night, whoever or whomstever amongst us, gets our logo on college game day, Pate State Freights or Late Kick. Whichever one of you pulls it off, if you can prove to me that it was you, I got something coming your way. It is specialty in nature. It does not exist on the open market. It is not for sale. It is strictly in-house. I'm looking at them right now. Uh, they are, again, not for sale. 
That means they're very rare and very valuable, depending on what your taste in life is. So anyway, you pull it off. You prove to me you did it. You'll have something coming your way. That I do promise you. Next up, I got a question that was simply, what are head coaches screaming in their headsets? Like, what are they actually talking about? And it varies greatly depending on who the head coach is. Some head coaches are very, very dialed in because some of them are calling plays. Ryan Day is the play caller for Ohio State's offense. So, you know, a lot of what he's talking about pertains to the actual functionality of the offense and play to play and series to series. And he's handed off probably a lot of the other operational aspects and certainly the defensive aspects because he is running a side of the ball. Nick Saban is a CEO. He's not running either side of the ball, but he's running the entire team. And then you got some other places like Brady Hoke. Famously, when he was a head coach, he didn't even have a headset on. And so there are a lot of coaches who do it different ways. Normally what's happening, I would say the average coach is not calling plays for either side. The average coach, though, is basically serving as a filter because he's already cast the vision when he hired people. He cast the vision. Uh, it has long since been understood in a game week what we want to do. He, the coach, has approved all of the game plans. So there's no mystery. There's nothing coming through that headset that's being called for the next play that is a surprise to him. What he is doing is, though, he's kind of guiding it and getting it back on track. If I want it to go this way a little bit, if, if I'm thinking this in terms of strategy, if I want to do this with clock, for the last four minutes of the first half, or the first four minutes of the second half. You know, that's the kind of stuff that he'll relay. Other than that, it's anyone's guess. I mean, it could be anything from, can you believe that slot receiver just made that play he never makes in practice? Or it could be, you're fired. It could be this line judge looks like my cousin Leroy, who lives down in Muncie, Indiana. Could be anything under the sun at that point. Good people in Muncie, by the way. Shout out Muncie. Uh, Moving on here, Gus said... Can we get a Missouri-Kentucky breakdown right quick on Late Kick Extra? I think this game is for third in the East, but it's being really overlooked. I think people are going to be hyped on Kentucky's new offense and overlook Missouri. Your thoughts? I agree with that. So right now, what I played early in the week, and again, I curse myself for not handing it out, is I played the over at 52. It's up to like 56 now. Uh, To be honest, I still like the over. It's just not a ramen noodle play. I don't think that odds makers have properly baked in what Kentucky is now. It's hard to do because when you're making numbers, when you're an odds maker and you're making that over under, you early in a season are going somewhat off of last year's available data. And what Kentucky was last year, they are not this year. Through one sample size, one week of Will Levis and the new offense they're running there, period, Kentucky looks like a different team. At the very least, what week one taught us is that they fully committed. Now, a ton of points in week one, does not always mean a ton of points in week two. See, for instance, Mississippi State and Mike Leach, circa 2020. Blowout LSU week one, crashed to earth, and they threw like five times more turnovers than touchdowns the next few weeks. But I do think it'll be more sustainable with Kentucky. But Missouri, I actually picked to finish ahead of Kentucky. So obviously this game's going to go a long way in determining that. I think Missouri's about a five-point dog right now. Connor Bazelak is a quarterback that I'm I think disproportionately high on relative to the rest of America. I will tell you this, as much as there's going to be a lot of focus on Iowa, Iowa State or Oregon, Ohio State, or even in the SEC, there'll be some focus on Texas and Arkansas, Big 12 and SEC. This game has a chance to steal the show. If you go on pure entertainment value, Kentucky and Missouri has a chance to steal the show. There is very low boredom risk. It could very well be one of the games we look back on at the end of the year and say, You know, at the time, I overlooked that. But now that I'm looking at the postseason SEC East standings, 
the team in second place is the team that won that game. Yeah, they could go that high. Uh, given what we don't know about Florida yet, it, things could shake out really crazy in the East. At the very least, as you said, it could be for third in the East. So if you have some time Saturday, check out Kentucky and Missouri. You don't have to have it on your main screen, but I would advise you have it on a side screen at the very least. Clinton up next. What do you think the ceiling is for Lane Kiffin? I wonder what we mean here because there was no specification. I assume he means at Ole Miss. My thought about Kiffin has always been this. If I'm an Ole Miss fan, of course I'm pulling for us to win every game. Do you guys have in the back of your head a concern that the better he does and the further removed his career gets from any kind of scandal and you know any kind of red letter across his forehead that keeps him from being hired – and the more he starts winning and he rehabilitates his image every single week further and further, are you worried that you won't be able to keep him? Because I think it's a legitimate concern. I don't think that many people who have been around Lane Kiffin look at him and say, Oxford, Mississippi is where he plans to spend his next 20 years. Now, I'd love to be wrong on that because you know my feelings about the South Carolinas or the Arkansas or the old misses of the world. Like the big time schools get enough of their pick of the coaching litter. So every now and then, I like to see a guy plant roots at what is not a traditional tier one university. But I'm also a realist. And so, Clinton, I think the ceiling is Lane Kiffin can win a national championship. I just don't know if the answer is he can do that at Ole Miss. But listen, they got a game coming up in a few weeks. I'm already looking ahead a little bit. I don't look ahead to the playoff, but I'm looking ahead a little bit for travel purposes. And let me pull our file up. I think it's either week four or week five. You know, you rapidly have a date approaching that is not Alabama and Texas A&M. It's Ole Miss at Alabama, and that is in week five. And I tried my best to predict you know, which games we were going to take the Renaissance Tour to. And that week, I had Auburn at LSU circled, and I also had possibly Michigan at Wisconsin or Cincinnati at Notre Dame. But I'm looking at Ole Miss at Alabama right now, and that's looking really, really intriguing a few weeks down the road. And I think Ole Miss is rested before that week, and that's the week before Bama goes and plays Texas A&M. So, I, listen, they are capable. We saw what happened last year. This is a better Ole Miss team, I think. I think this year's Ole Miss team would do a number on last year's Ole Miss team. They have improved that much defensively, and I'm confident in saying that after just one week. So what is the ceiling? The ceiling is probably scaring people like Alabama to death. Like, Alabama fans can tell you whatever they want to tell you. I'm telling you right now, there is not a team on this regular season schedule that will scare Bama fans more than Ole Miss internally, whether they vocalize it or not. And I am including A&M. They don't think A&M can beat them. Whether you believe it or not, it's irrelevant. They don't think A&M can beat them because they don't think A&M's got the quarterback play. They know Ole Miss has got the quarterback play, and they know about Lane Kiffin. They know all too well about Lane Kiffin. And so that was going to be fun to watch because that Bama defense is legit. I mean legit. And that Ole Miss offense is legit. And so I don't know what kind of game to expect. That's a few weeks down the road. I'm not doing a preview right now. But I think Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, they've got a really high ceiling. I've got them ranked 10th right now in our power rating. I got them 10th to let you know what I think about them. I started them at 14th. Jesse's up next. He said, I really enjoyed what you said last week about the job that you get to do instead of have to do. Let me pause. Jesse's he's basically asking a question that's a two-parter. He is expressing a sentiment there that a lot of you expressed. And I kind of got carried away a little bit on Tuesday in a good way, as it turns out, because so many of you reached out, dozens of you, several dozens of you reached out 
and you told me how much you loved that part in the Tuesday pod where I was just talking about how much really I love what I get to do. And I gave you a little backstory, and I told you about the first time I ever covered a game and how incredulous I was. You know how rarely I use that word, but how incredulous I was that there were people in the first ever press box I went in that didn't seem like they were loving what they were doing. That just doesn't make sense to me. It still doesn't to this day. Anyway, so I told you what my what my vision is and, and purpose has been and always will be and just what my overall passion, where it stems from. And that hasn't changed. Well, a lot of you really took that to heart and you hit me up and you said essentially what Jesse is saying here. Thank you. So I saw all those. I couldn't answer all of them. I answered a lot of them. But I appreciate you guys reaching out because uh, I can tell you those kinds of stories all day. But Jesse asked, what is the typical schedule on game week like this week? You're going to Iowa, so what will the schedule be? Well, it varies week to week, So, but this week, um, it's it's wild. I really, really still have trouble wrapping my mind around this, but I'll try not to go down the road for like five minutes like I did last week. Here's my actual work schedule, and I want to stress the word work because they call this work. I mean, I kid you not, people actually think this is having to work for a living. So on Sunday night, let's just start on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Sunday night, we do the show, Late Kick Live. We are fully reacting, rapid reaction. That's the theme of the Sunday night show to whatever has happened Saturday. Also on Sunday night, we reveal which game we're going to go to the following Saturday. And that has been normally either decided the day before or decided morning of. Uh, one of you actually builds the animation. A lot of what happens on Late Kick, a lot of the things you see and the features you see are courtesy of our audience. We crowdsource a whole lot. It is an unprecedented dynamic at this level of sports media to be able to do that. But I love doing it that way because it lets you guys be involved in the show. I mean, we got folks sitting all around here who get paid to do that kind of stuff. And one day I'll eventually get in trouble for doing it the way we do it. But right now I'm not in trouble, so I appreciate it. Anyway, so we'll reveal it that night. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, I'm doing a ton of radio all across the country. A lot of you hear me in your own market sometimes and don't even know I was on and say, hey, guess who I heard? Who? You. Oh, really? Did you? And uh, Tuesday night, you know, we have the show and Thursday night we have the show. Friday, this week, for example, we'll fly up to Iowa State. Uh, That is where the blank is. And I want to stress this because we just started the Renaissance Tour. We just started going on the road every week in an official capacity. So Friday night right now is get in town, get to the hotel. Uh, We do the super secret, can't be spoken about publicly, Instagram live gambling chat late at night. It'll probably be about 1130 or 12 Eastern, so close to midnight this week. And uh, participate if you want to. It's super secret though, obviously, so we can't talk about it except right now. And I'll do that, but think about what Friday night could be. It'll be whatever you want it to be. That is where the blank is. In the future, I was just talking to one of our high-level mustaches here today. That's a fancy term for management. And high-level mustache and I were talking about what we could turn that Friday into. When we get into town, what could we do with the fans in that market, with our listeners, knowing that there are some places we may never go to or go to once every five years. It'd be really nice to have small kind of intimate gatherings, listeners and viewers only, not to be confused with members only. And uh, so that's on the table in the future. Anyway, the Saturday game happens. I like to get to the stadium three hours before kickoff. I will have live hits on CBS Sports HQ before this Saturday's game. So you probably see me walking around with one of those fancy CBS microphones. Don't worry, though. I haven't sold out. And then we will watch the game. I will get as much access and inside content for you as I can. And it will be shared on Instagram and Twitter at Josh. Uh, then we will do a post-game hit. 
And then I will get back to the hotel. And this is really where the fever begins. This is where a whole lot of stuff's happening. I am watching as many condensed games as I can. I'm getting reports sent to me based on templates that I have assigned people. And I'm trying to catch up with as much as I have missed that day. I'm also in communication with our producers, either in Fort Lauderdale or Connecticut. And we are loosely formatting the next night's show. I'm also in communication with the data scientists that I partner with to run our own model because I want the next week's games already run with the new data from that day ingested and any injury updates that we can put in. I want projected scores for the next week's games well ahead, several hours ahead of the Vegas line release. So I know which games we want to bet immediately for the Ramen Noodle Express the following week. Get on a plane Sunday morning is all that's happening. In the flight, you're trying to knock out as much of either building your rundown or watching more games as you can. When you touch down, it would be a miracle, but sometimes miracles do happen. You try to get in the gym, then you go to the studio, you do the show, you do as much social afterwards as you can, and then you go home, and then you rinse and repeat, and the entire thing starts again, and they actually call that a job. Talk about a game all week, fly to the game, watch the game, get paid to do it, Come back home, talk about it some more, and then do it all the following week. Yes, for a guy who used to stack rolls in a fabric warehouse, this certainly beats that. But I know it is a mathematical certainty that some of you are out there right now working jobs that you hope don't last forever, but right now it's what you got and you don't like it. And all I ever try and do with this thing is I try and give you as much of this one thing that you love as possible to get you through that week. I know you love college football or you wouldn't be here. And I also happen to know that you love talking about it with your buddies. You may or may not have any at work. You got one here, though. And you may not know it, but you got tens of thousands per episode listening right along with you or watching right along with you. So it's very much a community. No matter how big it gets, it's still very much a community. Uh, Man, I just... Oh. I get worked up when I talk about this stuff, so we best move on. Tyler asks, bigger game this week for Texas or for Arkansas? I think the answer is Texas because I just think there's more pressure on Steve Sarkeesian. I think there's more focus on Sark right now. But having said that, imagine if Arkansas wins that game. If Arkansas wins against Texas, I know we've played these scenarios out, but now it's really happening. It's really a game week. If Arkansas wins the game against Texas, what would that make him? Well, it would make him 2-0 and going into a Georgia Southern game they'll be heavily favored in. I think that would make him 3-0 and heading into the game in Arlington against Texas A&M. And I'm telling you, that's in week four. And right now, well, we haven't slated ourselves to go anywhere in week four yet, but that game would rocket up the priority list. If A&M and Arkansas were both undefeated, because I've had that game circled. You guys know I've been talking about that game in the summer. I have said... You watch, everyone's going to discount Arkansas because their schedule's tough. But you don't play a schedule on a Saturday. You just play one team. And so when you look at Arkansas versus Texas, it's not Arkansas versus the 2021 schedule. It's just a team they're, they're a six-and-a-half-point underdog against at home. That's what it is. That's the situation. That is not insurmountable by any stretch. Uh, Virginia Tech pulled something very similar in point spread terms off just this past week against North Carolina. So Arkansas can do that. I think there's more pressure on Texas. So let's talk about Texas. If Texas wins that game, they are 2-0 and through a stretch that very few people thought they were going to go 2-0 and in. Even a lot of Longhorn fans thought 1-1 and at best. Uh, some of you thought 2-0, and but I can tell you outside of Longhorn Nation, Pretty much everyone had them either 1-1, one and one, or there were some amongst us who even dared to say 0-2. Oh well, the only problem, as I've stated, that I have with that crowd is the same ones who were screaming upset, upset, upset when the upset didn't happen in week one. 
they started screaming, well, all you did is beat Louisiana. No, they beat the team you said was going to win. <laughs> That's what they did. You can't be yelling upset and then discount the win after it happens. So this is a game, though, man. This one's not as off the radar as Kentucky and Missouri, but this one's going to be really fun to watch, too, and I will probably get back to a hotel in time to see the second half of this one, depending on what the scene looks like in Ames, Iowa, of course. But at the very least, I will have watched this one by the time my head hits the pillow that night. Caleb's up next. He asked a very pressing question. He said, can you give me all the updated Ramen Noodle Express picks for the week? Yes, I can. I've got five of them so far. Could stretch it a little bit more tonight, but so far we got five, and I will hand them out right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. So Caleb asked, can you update me on what all you've handed out for the Ramen Noodle Express this week? Those, by the way, for those unfamiliar, are our best bets of the week. We went 60.9% against the number last year, 53 and 34. I'm telling you last year's record because we only went two and three in week one. Now, as a gentleman, I had to take away a win from us. I handed out Western Kentucky minus nine, but not enough of you were able to get that because I watched Vegas take the game off the board after I max bet it. Am I telling you I am responsible for it? No, I'm not. Am I telling you I'm definitely not responsible for it? No, I'm not telling you that either. All I know is I handed it out and I hammered the game and a couple of minutes later they took it down. So not enough of you could get it. So the gentleman that I am, I removed that from our record. We could be 500 right now. Instead, we're what, 40%? Two and three? Who has time for that? We'll, uh, We'll rectify it soon enough. Don't worry. Trust the numbers. Anyway, here's what I've handed out so far this week. Memphis... I dropped my post-it. Memphis minus four. They are at Arkansas State. We have Tulsa at Oklahoma State. We're taking Oklahoma State minus 12. Texas State is a one-point dog on the road at FIU. We are taking the Bobcats plus one. Vanderbilt was one of the most god-awful looking teams on the face of the earth last week, so we're going to bet them this week. I look at our model, and our model thinks Vanderbilt could beat Colorado State outright. It has Vanderbilt winning a close game. Vandy is plus seven. So we think there is a severe overreaction in the market to last week. And I think that too. So I'm going to take Vandy plus seven. And then Oregon and Ohio State over 63 and a half. I do also like that number at 64, but we have put it out at 63 and a half. There are some defensive questions on both sides. I know some Ohio State guys practiced yesterday. There's still some defensive questions. That coupled with the belief I have that both offensive staffs played it a little close to the vest in week one, having this week circled and opening up passing games becomes a little bit more of a likelihood. I think that number's going 
closer to 70 than 63 and a half. So I like the over there. Kevin continues. He said, what are your thoughts on Nick Saban's meltdown at his press conference the week of the Mercer game of all weeks? I watched this today, and it wasn't a meltdown. He never even raised his voice. What he was talking about was complacency. And I know everyone watched Bama in week one. They just disassembled Miami. And Miami, I went back and watched that game again this morning. Miami's not a bad team. They are not a bad team at all. I mean, Derek King played a very good game, and I was finding myself when they were down 41-3 to legitimately saying, Derek King has played at a level that could beat some top 10 teams. That sounds crazy. He's down 41-3. to Derek King did not play bad. That just tells you how good Bama is. Well, anyway, a lot of you think that. And so you think this inevitable death march to another national championship is underway, but that's your prerogative because you don't have to actually execute it and make it happen. When you're actually running the organization, you cannot afford to. That's why they pay you all those millions more than you get paid to sit on the couch and watch the game. You, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So Mercer or LSU or or the Indianapolis Colts, it doesn't matter who's on the schedule the next week. When you wonder why they're so methodical, why they're so almost militaristic, they're just machine-like in their approach, it's because of that. It's because they got a guy who might as well be a general himself leading the program or leading the organization that has a singular mentality and it does not vary. It is not impacted by external factors. I think I may have told this story before, but I went and listened to Nick Saban back in like 08 or 09. He had just gotten to Bama, and they came to Columbus. They used to do something called, I think, the Crimson Caravan Tour. It was his speaking tour over the summer, and he comes to the Columbus Convention and Trade Center, which was just down the road from the Fabric Warehouse, so got me a ticket, went down there, and I listened to him talk about process, and I have I'd heard people talk about process before. It's not like Nick Saban invented it, but I'll tell you what he was able to accomplish. He was the first one who ever spoke about process-oriented thinking over goal-oriented thinking that made it click for me. Because up until that point, I was a normal dude. I thought that you had to be all about goals and you had to be focused on people disrespecting you and you had to get motivated based on this or that or listen to this music and do all this stuff. And he put it in such an eloquent but effective way. It changed my life. It literally changed my life. When I learned how to think in terms of process over prize, that changed everything. It is to this day how I run every aspect of what I'm in control of at least with this show, but also with my life. And here's where it's really funny because this in and of itself is not that serious, but it paints the picture of what I'm talking about and how dedicated I am now to this way of thinking. It will transform your life if you learn to think this way. I'm telling you, I don't care how average you think you are now. Again, do it in a fabric warehouse. And now I'm working for Viacom CBS. I'm telling you it works. There is no guesswork. It works if you, if you implement it across the entire spectrum. So what's funny is I realized that I was working out, you know, I was going to the gym, but I was doing the same thing everyone else is doing. I'm listening to music in the gym. And if you ask me, what are you listening to music for? It's for motivation. That's what I told myself. It's not focus, it's motivation. That's what I was telling myself. So much so that if I were to get to the gym and I didn't have my headphones with me, I wouldn't even go in. I would think, oh man, that's kind of like not being able to take pre-workout. I just, I can't go in. So I'd, I'd leave. If I did not have my headphones with me, I'd leave. I listened to Saban talk. And I told myself, let me do a little, an inventory, so to speak, of everywhere in my life I'm relying on something external to push me. And that was one of them. And so I tried something. I tried removing anything external, including, in the gym's case, music. 
I took the headphones off. I have never put them back on. Never. Anytime someone asks me for workout advice, that's the first thing I tell them. Take the headphones off. Well, I need them, bro. What do you need them for? Well, I got to get motivated. I got to focus. What is that bringing out of you that's not already in you to begin with? That's what really gets them. When someone asks you, hey, that music that's motivating you, or that disrespect, or the trash talk you're counting on people making against you to motivate you, what is it bringing out of you that's not already in you anyway? And the answer is nothing. If I'm capable of benching 335 with the 8-mile soundtrack on in my ears, blaring at full volume, I was capable of doing it without that, because it didn't bring any strength out of me that wasn't already there. But I'll tell you what it also does. It makes you practice focus the good old-fashioned way. Mentally, it takes a long time to get used to that. But man, once I got used to working out without any kind of external, it greatly changed my workout routine, but it also helps you practice focus and it really helps in the long run in a lot of other areas of life. But I am telling you that changed me listening to him talk back then. So anyway, he hasn't changed. That's the same way he runs it. So you're listening to him and you're thinking it's just Mercer. You guys, this is not a joke, are favored by 56 points this Saturday against Mercer. What he knows and what he's petrified of is bad habits forming in a week where it doesn't really matter what they do that crop up down the road in a game where it does very much matter, and all of a sudden you've developed habits that you can't erase. That's what he's scared of. Anything less than perfection is really what he's scared of. And if you're going to maximize your potential, you don't let up because of something external. In other words, looking at Mercer on a schedule and saying, I ain't got to show up this week. You can't let that happen. That's a habit, and that will affect you in the long run. By the way, Here's something really beautiful to listen to. You remember back in the day when they lost to Louisiana Monroe. It was 07. It's Saban's first year. I would encourage you, go find the press conference the day after. He got in trouble. You know, he, he had some national media pushback because he compared the Alabama loss to 9-11, and it wasn't what he said, but you know how media works. But the problem, well, the downside, I guess, of that is everyone focused on that one little soundbite Go listen to the press conference. I think there's a highlight of it somewhere like on YouTube. He cast the entire vision. He let you know what was coming. And basically what was happening was in Tuscaloosa at his press conference that Monday, the media was kind of asking him, how long is it going to take? How long is it going to take to do this? How long is it going to take before you're contending for a national championship? And he was trying to let them know, you're focused on the result. I'm over here focused on doing what it takes to get the result the way you think is the reason this place is in the crapper right now. The way I think is what's going to get us out, but I can't do it with the kind of guys I got here right now. So they've either got to change the way they think or we got to get new guys in here. Either that or you need to get me out of here because if you don't like this way of thinking, then I don't need to be here and you won't want me here. It's great. Go find it. It's like a nine, Nick Saban 911 or something like that. I got a computer right here. I could probably just look it up, but it's really good because he is at the time in a year where they're barely going to make a bowl game. They're not winning championships yet at the time of that press conference, and he literally spells out every step of what's about to happen. It's almost like he is reading the people a spoiler on what Alabama football for the next decade and a half, at least, is going to do to the rest of the world, and they don't even know it. All they're worried about is, oh, you should be so embarrassed. You just lost to Louisiana Monroe. And he's telling them, here's what's coming. And he's really talking to his locker room more so than anything. He's telling them, here's what's coming. You can either get on or you need to get out of the way because we're not doing it any different. We just lost. I don't care. We're not doing it any different. <sighs> All right. Well, let's, 
about time to go uh, for me to bed and for you probably to work or to lunch or wherever you're listening the next day. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for, again, as always, making this possible. And remember, challenges out there. Any of you who prove to me that you got Pate State Freight's logos on College Game Day this Saturday, you're getting something. You're getting, that's as specific as I can get. Because really, I'm not even supposed to be talking about these things existing, but you're getting something. So until this evening when we do Late Kick Live, for producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and God bless. begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 